of the No Club Podcast, now with 100% less squealing. <laughs> Welcome to No Clip. I'm Chad Porter Bridges. And I'm Andy Kinnick. <laughs> and today, we're going to be talking about Death Stranding, which is a game that was released in 2019 and was developed by Kojima Productions. Uh, it's currently only on the PlayStation 4, but will release on the PC sometime next year. Uh, so for once, we're actually ahead of things, oh, sort of. So rare. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, and Death Stranding is uh, probably the single most ambitious, influential, uh, unique, low-roar album that I've ever heard. Uh, it's it's really something how much you have to go through to listen to each new track yeah, I'm really glad we opened the podcast up to album reviews. Yeah. <laughs> it was like a 60-hour album. It's a long... Yeah. Yeah. And it's an interesting choice to use the same songs in it, like, two or three times a piece. Yeah. Uh, not actually. So, Lorore did a bunch of music for this game, or potentially actually just, you know, gave the license uh, for their music to be used in the game. Because this game is a game where Kojima went around and just asked all of his friends to be in it. And it's very strange in a lot of ways, like almost surreal ways. Yeah, I don't follow him on Twitter. I'm not an active Twitterer. But uh, apparently he posts pictures of him with the people in this game all the time. Yeah, he's he's a big fan of being a fan of things. <laughs> He wants you to know how many famous people he hangs out with. Yeah. Nanana Boo Boo. <laughs> I forget what he calls them. It's like, he'll be like, these are my soul brothers or whatever. <laughs> like, he, he has like a pet name for all the people that he meets uh, that, he's, that, that he's friends with. And it's uh, pretty strange. But so is Hideo Kojima himself. Uh, and this game is not an exception to that. Uh, yeah, I feel like... This is a weird, uh, like, personal interpretation, I guess. But I feel like he's not even that weird. I think he's just given the platform to do whatever he wants. <laughs> and if anybody had that, they would be... Like, everyone's weird. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a, a fair estimation of it, where it's like, yes, he's doing the things that he wants to do. Or at least he is now. Like, Metal Gear was obviously something that was a... Uh, a passion project for him at the start, but as it picked up and became more of a series, there's an argument to be made that maybe he fell out of it a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, it, my personal interpretation of it is around Metal Gear Solid 3 because the first game and the second game and the Solid series are like pretty different thematically. It feels like he wanted to tackle a new idea. Mm -hmm. uh, but he's been on that series for so long, so when he was like given reign to just do whatever... Uh, by just starting his own company, because that's what you do when you have a lot of money and want to do things. Right. Uh, it really, like, the things that he chose to bring over from the Metal Gear franchise versus the things that are new, I don't really know of anyone else in the industry who would have gone for a similar thing. No, it's definitely unique, for sure. Like, I, I can't compare this to anything... You can't draw any parallels and be like, that's where this idea came from, <laughs> you know? So I'll, I'll definitely give him that. 
Yeah, it, it's it's I don't know. It's strange because it while this game has some hallmarks of of Kojima's uh, repertoire. Yeah, it's mostly in the story stuff. Yeah, uh, but yeah, a lot of it is just just feels like it's out of nowhere, and, and I respect that in a way. Like we'll get into this and sort of like how we feel about the game uh, as we go into it, particularly mechanically. I'm sure, but. Um, the the one thing that I want to kind of call out up front is that this feels like what makes this feel so unique as a game is the fact that this is a auteur indie project that was made by a AAA studio, a studio that was developed from the beginning to be a AAA studio, regardless of whatever its ideas were, because Kojima is just used to that. He works in an environment where everything costs a bazillion dollars to make uh and even if it's not like i don't know financially how this game did or will do uh in the future but like man (laughs) it it feels like one of those out there ideas that somebody comes up with and puts together in like a game jam expanded in the biggest way imaginable yeah, it definitely feels like an indie concept, but in execution, obviously, it's nothing like uh, an indie project. Right. But um, now I I compare um, this to like a Tarantino movie, where there really aren't that many games because they're so expensive to make, as you touched on. There aren't that many games being made these days that have like a singular vision behind them mm-hmm. it's same thing with movies a lot of the time too like big widely seen movies are usually made by like a big you know powerhouse studio same thing movies and games and um yeah it's so i think this game is really important as you were getting at like i respect it a lot for being so different and for like Sony for bankrolling this right. and actually putting it out there. Um, so yeah, I give him a lot of props for that. And you know, this is my big overarching statement. Yeah. We'll get into the details. <laughs> well, yeah. Cause uh, the, the thing is that there aren't ever going to be a lot of games like this, uh, not speaking mechanically, but from its Genesis, like there aren't going to be a lot of games where, the idea comes so solely from an individual. Not all of them, I'm sure, but like a lot of what this game is is Kojima's brainchild. Mm-hmm. And it, to do that in a universe where most games are made with publisher backing is just like an impossibility. So uh, I appreciate it for that. Um, and Kojima himself seems to fancy himself a genre creator here as he describes this as like as the first strand type game uh which is a quote that people like to bring up a lot because he did say it and it's ridiculous right uh but i don't think kojima is actually giving this game as much credit as it deserves for its like genre because I don't view this game as a new genre. Me neither. I view this game as like a 3D action platformer uh, <laughs> where the focus is on the mechanical difficulty involved in moving. Yeah. Uh, I'd compare it to like what we kind of, some of the things we said about Katamari. Mm-hmm. Well, this game obviously couldn't be more different than that, but it's, 
I don't know. I think JJ specifically <laughs> said it. It's like traversal challenge the game. Right. And that's what this is. Well, let's be clear. Uh, JJ said that it's like pressing nipples. <laughs> oh, he also said that. <laughs> and that also seems like a thing Kojima would do. Uh, yeah, 100%. But uh, he did not do it in this game. Maybe in the future. Yeah, maybe we'll get Katamari Damashis. <laughs> uh, but... um. Yeah, I kind of think of it as an open world game with a lot of stuff stripped out of it. And it's about like traversing from point A to point B and like the challenge coming from like controlling your character optimally. Yeah. And yeah. And the reason why I say I don't think giving it a new genre identity does it any favors is because one of the things that's great about this game is the way that it takes existing mechanical things and subverts them or like at least subverts your expectations of what it's going to be like you just from the beginning of the game have an understanding of movement in games and it immediately is like look out for that rock on the ground that in any other game would be inconsequential set decoration Mm -hmm. but you can trip on it and fall over in this one it's like I've also heard people sort of, I don't know if this is being dismissive or not, <laughs> call this like Quop with a budget, but I honestly don't think it's so far off of what Quop with like a multi-million dollar <laughs> budget would be like mechanically. I feel like it's a bit of a stretch, uh, to put it <laughs> lightly, but I, I kind of see what you're getting at because like this game is nowhere near as hard to control right but if you kind of took the idea of what quap is and tried to make it into like a good marketable thing mm-hmm. i i could see the comparison yeah it's it's an interesting beast uh and i think that's what we should probably get into so the game itself uh when you're playing we're just absconding all story for the time being because it is complicated and doesn't really take hold until, like, the halfway point anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, involves you, Norman Reedus, a.k.a. Sam Bridges, a.k.a. Sam Strand. Uh, a.k.a. Sam Porter Bridges. Sam Porter Bridges. Uh, <laughs> walking around uh, America as it is, sort of. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, very small-scale America. Like, I don't think that this game's map size is even as big as, like, Skyrim or whatever. I don't think it's even close. Yeah, probably half if that. Like, uh, And yet it's purportedly the entirety of of the United States. Yeah. Um, I would think it was hilarious if this colors people outside of America's idea of how big America is. (laughs) They're like, how long does it take to go from Oklahoma to Texas? It's like, I don't know, like 15 minutes? (laughs) Walking. (laughs) Uh... So, yeah, so you walk from from one side of America to the other side. Well, you take a boat over one part of it, but, uh, and you deliver packages. Delivering packages is, like, 90% of what this game is, uh... And I think this is a lot of the vitriol that people take with it is that they don't find delivering packages to be exciting. Right. And maybe I'm not most people, but (laughs) I absolutely loved that part of the game. Uh, For me, it kind of varies based on, like, context, I guess. Because, like, it does appeal to, like, the part of your brain that likes to organize and micromanage things. Like, 
feels good to like get everything and then like put it on your back and then hit the triangle button to have it all pop optimally onto your suit right and then you like have to like you plot out your little route on the map you know like avoiding all the enemy camps and you're like feel smart you know for (laughs) for plotting out a good route and then you know you, you use your little sensor and you know you can see all the blue patches and you try to stay on the blue you know and like you just try to play as optimally as you can and it like it occupies that part of your brain. Yeah. And if you're not into that, there's not a lot to like here. Yeah. Th- this is one of those games where, like, depending on a person's general tastes, I might think that this game would be interesting to them and I might recommend it to them. But I cannot recommend this game to anybody. <laughs> yeah. Like, it is, li- it is impossible to know. You would have to be very intimate with a person. <laughs> Before you know that they will enjoy the content of this actual game. Because it is so, it's so unusual that so much of your time is spent in like such a, not passive necessarily, but like more passive than most games. Mm -hmm. Like it's a really contemplative game. Yeah, I think the time factor is a big part of it. Because I think a lot larger percentage of people could appreciate what the game's trying to do on like a smaller scale, like first, like, you know, crop of missions or whatever, but having to spend so much time just kind of running around. Mm -hmm. uh, Yeah. That doesn't have like a widespread appeal. I wouldn't think. Yeah. And I don't know. It's weird because people say that it's like boring And also people have called it a walking simulator, which cracks me up because, like, this is so much more of an actual walking simulator than games that we call a walking simulator are. Uh, But, like, it's not active in the way that there's action happening. It's active in the way that you do have to be thinking all the time about what it is you're doing in order to transport your packages safely. Yeah. And not only that, but the mechanical elements of it are really kind of hard to get a handle on. And then on top of that, it, the game tends to get easier as it goes on. Yeah. So you get severely, like, you get this idea of, like, how tedious this game is going to be from the beginning. And then it actually gets much better further on, at, like, not all the way through, and we'll get to that, but, like mechanically it really ramps up and and sets up everything pretty well uh and people have to get over like a five hour long hump to get there yeah and i feel like it's just gonna like people just frisbee the disc across the street before they get to what's good yeah like i said after the first couple of hours that i i had played the first couple of hours and i'm not sure how i feel about the game and it's a lot of that is because as you said, it's so different from anything that you've probably played. And yeah, it, it, it doesn't do a great job. I think of pacing out all the different upgrades and things. Cause like, I feel like they throw the bike at you decently early mm-hmm. and then it can be really discouraging to use the bike cause you just crash into rocks and stuff. And you're like, well, I guess I'll walk, Yeah, you know? And it kind of feel, and like, you don't really grasp the use of everything right away. And I think that can kind of be like a turnoff where people feel like they're getting all this stuff and none of it feels that useful cause they don't understand the game yet. 
yeah etc etc but um before we get too far away from it um i feel like this game is immersive in the way that the i've heard people talk about the witcher Mm. where uh, a lot of the systems in that kind of get you in the mindset of being a witcher where like you can take a contract go buy a book about that monster actually sit there and read it buy the things that it says are good against it in that book from a shop apply them to your weapons and then go and hunt it right you know and like you can really get into that job and this game does a similar thing where like it really gets you thinking like the character like you really feel like a delivery boy (laughs) (laughs) which is true and and given that also i feel like this game is it's harder to avoid that than it is in the witcher yeah you can completely ignore that right Uh, you shouldn't because in the Witcher becomes very yeah yeah, it it becomes a lot less like neat in that way but you can't really avoid it in this game because just trying to do everything without thinking about it is going to end in failure most of the time and i think this game fights back really hard against people who don't take it at face value i think that if you're like well haha i just run up this mountain like it's skyrim the game just goes like fuck you and you <laughs> roll down the mountain and destroy all your cargo you just float down the the river and end up like miles away from where you're trying to yeah. be and it's like a really significant setback most of the time uh i don't know it's just like mm. yeah it really it really makes you pay attention to it uh in a way that i think a lot of people don't like if you're someone who's really into like gta and kind of want to like sandbox and goof around this game doesn't really let you do that mm-hmm. you can kind of skyrim along mountains uh, later in the game once you like are more comfortable with it but you can't just like run willy nilly wherever you want. Yeah, you can't just like mash the jump button. No, that will end in you falling on your face. <laughs> like they specifically programmed it to make you fall if you mash the the climb button too much. Yeah, it's yeah, it, it's very funny. I, I don't know, because like it doesn't seem like. I think people would look at this game, and see something that I would absolutely hate, because it's a lot of like just going from place to place yeah but someone who really knows you yes would know that it's the focus of the game that makes it work for you the focus and the checklistiness of it like it it appeals to the same sort of this is gonna sound very strange i think but (laughs) it appeals to the same parts of me that really enjoy monster hunter like games that are long but they're long because you can just sort of like make set goals for yourself and then just do them and apply what you know and try and get better, set your equipment up correctly. Like that kind of shit really like gets me going. I I was thinking about this while playing and you can tell me if I'm correct or not, but I was thinking (laughs) like a version of this game that had more of the combat in it. uh, You would grow to like hate the traversal parts uh, because if the game was pushing the combat is more of the focus of it. Yeah, you're correct. I, in fact, uh, I mentioned, I don't know to who, I don't know if it was, you were actually there, when I watched the second and final trailer that I watched for this game before playing it, um, 
which is the one where, with where it introduced that Guillermo del Toro, which I would declare clear from misconception that I don't know if is widely held, but was held by me for several hours. Uh-huh. Guillermo del Toro does not actually play Dead Man. He motion captured Dead Man, and then another guy does his voice, uh-huh. which I didn't realize. But listening to Guillermo del Toro, it makes a little bit more sense because he is like not fluent in English right. in the way that uh, the guy who plays Dead Man actually is. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, I, I want to congratulate that dude for doing a super good job. Yeah. But anyway, that trailer is the one, uh, the World War Two segment of this game, and which we'll get to. If you haven't played the game, that probably is very confusing. We'll clear it all up. Don't worry. Uh, we won't clear it up. Uh, <laughs> uh, he's like against a, uh, a, a like a brick bridge, and there are soldiers walking above him in like a tank. And I remember seeing that and being like, oh, man, there's guns in this game. (laughs) Because I was all excited about the concept of this game being like a horror game. Because it was coming off the back of Silent Hills. Nobody really knew what the game was actually about. The weird baby in a pod imagery is creepy and strange. Uh, Guillermo del Toro being involved is a big deal for me. Uh, and like all of this thing, all of these things like sort of coalesced and then like the guns, I was like, now I don't know how I feel. Maybe it's just enemies. Do you play as Guillermo del Toro? I'm confused. (laughs) (laughs) And so eventually we got the game and I'm actually fairly satisfied with the amount of combat that's in it. Yeah. I I like that. It's passive as well. Uh, or more passive, um, defensive. Yeah. 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 That's the word. But uh, like you get actual guns later, uh, and then like they specifically come over your little uh, cufflinks and are like, "Hey, don't use those to kill people." <laughs> I don't know what happens if you do, but because uh, I never tried it, but because uh, I'm a good boy. Yeah, I I too am a good boy. <laughs> uh, however, I do know what does happen because I've seen people do it online. Mm-hmm. Basically, uh, I mean, they talk about void outs and shit. They uh, actually causes a void out. It actually does cause a void out, and it takes time in game as well. You can like take their bodies. Does it and, persist? Uh, yeah, like it over. What do you mean? I guess like after you cause it, does it stay there? No, if you cause a void out, it game it does like a game okay. over. So you have to actually, if you kill someone, you have to actually dispose of the body Ooh, either like in an incinerator or by throwing it in the lake. Uh, so it's pretty weird uh, that that is a thing. But yeah, that is that is what happens if you shoot someone to death with a gun. But they do also give you things that are functionally identical to guns and say, go ahead and shoot people with yeah. this. It's rubber <laughs> bullets. Uh, now, I love the, uh, what is it called? The bola gun? Bola gun is great. Yeah, I, I thought that was really cool to use. Yeah, I was actually, because that's what I was kind of going for in this is... The first time that you encounter mules in the game, how did you, like, even take to that? Oh, uh, I fucking hated it. Dude, same Uh Because, <laughs> you know, it feels like it's specifically designed to do this, where you roll in and you think, like, you're, you're like, you got a good path, you don't see anybody, um, and then you trip the alarm, and then there's, like, all of a sudden, they're, like five dudes on top of you and they just you know shock you with their little harpoon things yeah and take all your shit and then i tried several times to get it back and then 
eventually succeeded with a stealth approach and running in there and grabbing my shit and running away. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, that was really frustrating and took me like probably like eight tries to get my shit back. Yeah. Uh, cause you don't have any options other than sneaking around really. Yeah. You have sneak and you have just punch everyone to death, which is not as easy as it maybe could have been at that point in the game. I think maybe if they had toned those enemies down a little bit, it would have been a little bit more... I mean, they are toned down because, like, other guys block, and the first ones you encounter don't really. I forgot you could punch when I went in, (laughs) and so I was trying to do the strand parry and was doing Uh... a really bad job of it. Uh, My eventual solution was to uh, request sets of medals from the the distro center and then just carry them in my hands and flail them at people. (laughs) Ah, nice. (laughs) Which works pretty well. Uh, But it's really weird that they, like, the combat is, is I mean, maybe it's not weird thinking about it, but, like, the combat is so unsatisfying to perform that it makes you want to avoid it until they give you the tools to actually do it. And I think that thematically makes a lot of sense like you are a porter not a punch guy they could have made it easier because there is a system where if you hit the i think it's the square button while running you'll kind of tackle a guy Mm -hmm. like you'll shoulder him they could have made that easier to like do because it has like a weird halt on your movement and stuff like they had gone like a like a, a route where you could like keep moving and kind of throw dudes off, you know, and kind of make it more about like avoiding people. Th- I feel like something like that would work better yeah. than having to like kind of stop and punch dudes. So do it, yeah, like a like a fullback, yeah. like just try and keep people. Yeah, off like of a football you. player, yeah. exactly. Uh, the stiff arm. Yeah, just get him. Yeah, him uh, Madden twenty nineteen <laughs> stranding. Uh, Yeah, that would be, I think, optimal. Because, like, a lot of the time, late game, I would just get in a truck, and I would just run people over. Yeah, just get on a bike and just zip by everybody. Yeah, because that's really just the way to go. There are a couple of situations where they make it hard to do, and there are also times where you actually have to go into camps. Yeah. Uh, Now, I was pretty stubborn and would always find a way that I could just run mm -hmm. past the camp without much trouble. Uh what about in, like, recovery missions, though? I, I feel like after Chapter 3, I never... There's only one mission I can remember where you had to actually go into a camp, and by then, I mostly... I snuck up on the camp, shot the target who had the cargo with the Vola gun... I managed to successfully nullify their sensor... <laughs> stealthed on in and grabbed it and ran away Mm. super skillful play by me expert yes expert (laughs) play is this the camera one yeah the the camera one okay the all the ones in chapter three i kind of struggled pretty hard with though yeah because i didn't quite uh grasp all my abilities yet i mean i will admit that in the camera one because that's not at all what i did in the camera one yeah uh i I stealth killed one guy in a field and then I had just recently been given all of these rubber bullet guns and I was feeling kind of giddy to try them out. So I definitely did just sort of mow down that whole camp from like an embankment across a small stream. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I think your play is the correct one, I think, is the more engaging version. Yeah. In a lot of games like this, where your options are, like, stealth or a direct approach, and this is part of what this game borrows from, like, Metal Gear Solid V's design, Mm -hmm. uh, the stealth approach is always more engaging and more fun, and I tried to stick to that as much as I could. It it was clever, I thought, that the amount of cargo you have on your back actually determines how well you can hide. Right. It's, like, a nice layering of... uh, gameplay concepts there yeah it's because if you bring in enough guns to murder everyone you probably camp, can't hide exactly yeah. yeah it's it's good thinking most of the time mm-hmm. uh though i will say they go a little bit out of their way to make some of the cargo a little bit silly like the, a climbing anchor is like a whole briefcase that you have to carry yeah. it's very strange like that but uh you know you do what you can do otherwise mm-hmm. they couldn't they would they, they couldn't justify you not being able to carry like 30,000 climbing <laughs> anchors if you're able to carry like yeah. a 50 gallon drum on your back it's like well why not mm-hmm. i don't know <laughs> uh let's see i want to like the sentence that floated stupidly into my gray matter was, do you want to talk about cargo? But that's a really, (laughs) (laughs) that's a really weird question. And I don't think fully gets across what I'm actually curious about. Uh It's more like the actual delivery missions often involve you carrying like a huge amount of stuff around. And, the like when you lose stamina and stuff it's supposed to take like a a larger toll on your ability to move around freely and i'm wondering how much that actually stopped you from just carrying like your maximum carrying capacity at all times <laughs> uh it depended on what part of the game i was at but uh i i did that a lot earlier on mm-hmm. um like I would, it would just be like as much shit on me as I could manage, and then just holding R two and L two the whole time as I walked, you know, and it's like slow and steady. Slow and steady was the yeah <laughs> Sam Turtle Bridges making his way across America. <laughs> well, one thing that I have to like commend you on is I I walked in while you were playing a while ago, and uh, you had cargo on one of the floating carriers. Yeah, the dollies. Which is something I did, like, once ever. Uh, It was a mistake. I should have used them more. Uh, It was having to, like, do missions where, like, I had come into it and I already had a bunch of shit, and then I didn't want to, like, put it in the locker, so, like, I had to, like, load on all the actual cargo and then put everything I already had on the the carrier. Mm -hmm. And I was like, this is great. (laughs) You know, like, as long as you don't have to go up and down ladders and stuff like it's it's awesome to have that yeah i was always like in my head i just figured that if like you moved weirdly it would like fall nope but that's not really what it does uh i did use it several times as a skateboard yeah uh, which is great and i love that functionality as a thing but i did not use them nearly enough my most notable floating carrier experience was i was trying to get way too much stuff from uh, the top of a mountain to the bottom of a mountain Mm -hmm. 
And I drove a truck pretty far down the mountain, and then it got stuck in a river, uh, which can happen. If you drive into a river, the car's like hydraulics pump it way up right uh to keep it out of the water but if you you then cannot jump so if you get stuck in a location the car the truck just doesn't move anymore so i got out of the truck i built a mailbox and then i put in a request for two floating carriers and then i just saved the game and left (laughs) and i came back someone had delivered my carriers and i loaded everything onto them and walked the rest of the way Nice. So, a very cool implementation of a thing that I didn't use nearly enough. Yeah, yeah. Like, especially the the mission where you have to transport um, Mama to the mountain knot um, really solidified it for me. Because, like, you know, because you had to carry her, so you just attach all your cargo to a carrier, and you're good to go. Wish I had thought of that. <laughs> I made it all the way there, pretty slowly, admittedly, but without falling or causing any damage to her or any of my other stuff that I was just carrying anyway, because fuck everything, I guess. Mm-hmm. And then I got to the uh, actual building and was like, he like goes in that animation where he's like, and like yeah. p- pushes his hands out like a celebratory thing. And I was like walking down the ramp and I was just like, <laughs> Like, five feet from where I was supposed to go. It was tragic. But uh, I was going to be mad if that was why she died. But uh <laughs> wasn't. Uh, yeah, it was, I don't know. It's good. It's fun. I like that. I like mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. Yeah, I was really disappointed um, when you get to the West Coast and you they're like, get to the middle of the tar or whatever. I was like, I was like, oh, I got a dolly. Can I like get on the dolly and like ride it out to the middle of the char? And it didn't work. No, I was a little, I don't know if I was being dense on that or not, but like I did not, it took me a minute to realize what they were going for. I feel like I would have come up with it way quicker if someone hadn't have been a troll and put a, um, uh, a tether or like a strand, like a thing you use to go down. Uh, the mountain on the shore going into the water (laughs) so like the first thing i did was like oh can i just like wade into it is this gonna be like a cool thing like there's shit under the tar so like i grab it and like i start going out into the water with it and it doesn't do anything uh so that threw me way off that's so if someone was trying to mess with people you succeeded oh i mean yeah if you see a one of those uh climbing anchors on flat ground yeah, i imagine they're anchor, probably yeah. trolling yeah but yeah that threw me way off however if you saw a ladder going up to a structure that you should definitely not climb <laughs> that was not me trolling i just tried <laughs> to climb everything in the whole game i left a ladder that led to nowhere that i hope fucked with somebody <laughs> uh unintentionally right and i leave i the ladders are phenomenal uh yeah i kind of ended up forgetting they were a thing like they felt really useful early mm-hmm. and then i found them to be like not as needed in like the second kind of area and kind of forgot that they were a thing in the game no and that's fair honestly because like you don't see you didn't even i didn't or at least i didn't see a lot of them in like the second or third chapter because there's not a lot of ravines to be crossed and that's when they're like build bridges 
Right. You know, much better than ladders. I mean, arguably, <laughs> it takes a lot longer to True. build a bridge. True. But like, it felt like they kept popping up in those areas where I wouldn't need a ladder. Yeah. I, I felt like... So I do love the ladders. I think that... no, but that that they're my carrier. Okay, where I, yeah. they're a thing that I felt like I should have used more. <laughs> yeah, I, I use ladders all the time uh, for stuff going forward. But I agree that they do get uh, a little bit obsolete. Um, but it's largely by the the zip line things. The zip lines are are I think not way too good. That's like a that would be a weird thing to say. They are very good and they give them to you in the mountain area which is the place where they're most useful because yeah. walking around in that is miserable yeah i never once used a zip line how <laughs> i don't know i remember getting it and feeling like this would make the game way too easy was my initial thought and then i just never touched it like uh-huh. i just kind of forgot about it i did not build a lot of things with the with the PCCs yeah. over the course, but I guarantee you, I built about three times as many zip lines as I built uh, anything else. Yeah, I relied a lot on the the all terrain exoskeleton. I thought that made oh, yeah. going around the mountains pretty like tolerable. Uh, yeah, but it's not nearly as fast. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> if you value speed, yeah, I built like a whole network of them around Mm. the tops of the mountains to get from place to place uh especially around hartman's area like if you're coming from mountain knot going to hartman's it's like it takes like a billion years you have to go all the way around otherwise there's like a sheer cliff but it's okay if you're at hartman's and you build a zip line and you build a zip line down the mountain then you can just zoop right up there Mm -hmm. easy peasy no 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 scruples (laughs) no whatever anyway uh (laughs) Yeah, I think that obsolete that that makes the ladder a little bit obsolete because like anything you would normally put a ladder down, most of the time you're just flying over anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, regardless, <laughs> I think uh, the implementation of the tools was neat because like each like both of us even used totally different sets through the whole thing. Like I used the all terrain skeleton when they gave it to me, mm-hmm. but pretty quickly just went back to the. Uh, extreme carrying capacity one (laughs) the power one yeah the power skeleton level three because getting like around even with the all-terrain skeleton uh like it's so much easier because the you don't lose your balance as easily Mm -hmm. if you're pretty far under your weight limit so i just used the power skeleton carried everything that i could because it limits the number of spaces you have right uh and then you would still just be able to run around normally it's good it's good stuff Mm -hmm. that's super like the exoskeletons were probably my favorite addition like being able to just run around regularly with cargo on your back and not have to hold the triggers all the time just felt super liberating when it finally happened yeah especially since like the cargo increase thing is based on the cargo volume which isn't Mm -hmm. super hard to get but is not like you don't get it real fast. That power skeleton really helps you through the first uh, part of the game mm-hmm. before you actually have like real options. Uh, so we've gone this far without mentioning BTs at all. Mm. Uh, 
So another wrinkle they throw into your traversal challenge is you'll come across these areas where uh, it'll start raining and then the rain will become, or time falling. Uh, and then that will become black and then BTs will show up, which are like ghosts, essentially. Yeah, it stands for beached things. Mm. I don't think, nobody ever says it. It's in one of the, the diaries yeah. or whatever, but yeah. But uh, they show up and they turn the like the your traversal into you have to like crouch move slowly use your sensor a lot so you can see where they are and then you you hold your breath when they're close so that they can't hear you and you just kind of have to try to make it past them without being caught essentially uh until later you get weapons so you can fight them if you want but Mm -hmm. i never did unless it was a boss fight personally that was that was the question that i was gonna ask we'll get into that when you finish this um because i i kind of i liked the stealthy traversal element of the game way better than the pointy shooty parts right so i always opted for the the stealth approach but um so that's you know, they give you enemies, basically, to, to contend with as you go around. Yeah, because uh, unlike the the mules and the terrorists, the right. homo demons... Yeah, a supernatural uh, enemy and not just a human dude. Yeah, but you know where the, where the human enemies are because they're marked on the map. And that's less often, though occasionally, uh, but it's less often the case with the BTs because they just sort of come up anywhere that there is uh like heavy time fall and you can memorize their locations but it's not really worth it my thing was <laughs> when i got to the point in the game where i could kill bt bosses i also liked to stealth a lot more than the combat because shooting with a analog stick is miserable and this game is particularly bad because it has no like aim assist mm-hmm. so you end up like way over correcting for things i'm glad that you say that because every <laughs> time i'm bad at a shooter i'm like yep that's how this usually goes <laughs> yep i am bad at these yeah no it is not just you they th- this game seemingly intentionally does not apply the same like ease of use mechanics to shooting that a lot of console shooters do Mm -hmm. uh even third person shooters like gta that you mentioned before has like a lock on which makes so you don't actually have to really aim right and then lots of first person shooters have aim assist and if this does it's pretty minimal because uh i found that like it was like trying to use a trackpad (laughs) on a laptop to do anything it was like I don't know. I found it very difficult to aim in this game, but at the same time, I found it way easier most of the time to whenever there was like significant BT presence in an area to just let myself get grabbed. Like I would like unload my cargo, walk out into the middle of them, get grabbed and then fight the boss because it just clears everything up. Yeah. And uh, it just, it takes less time. Your cargo takes less damage from time fall. Like if I'm, being forced to spend a prolonged period of time in there, it was almost always easier for me to just kill the boss and get it over with. Yeah, I I resorted to a similar thing, although I didn't fight the boss. I would just exit the tar, which will just make everything go away. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, I I uh, there was one boss that I killed uh, 
that wasn't mandatory like after i got the ability to and that was it yeah uh, the man okay so <laughs> there's so much interesting shit that they did with this game uh with these vts though that and the bosses really are not that the bosses no. have really cool designs i think mm-hmm. uh and I like the the concepts of like the environment changing, like buildings and cars bubbling up from the muck, and uh, like the other the dead players who yeah. throw you shit is really cool. Um, it gives me like a very like connectivity sort of vibe, which is what the game is largely going for, which we'll talk about on the second half. Right. Uh, <laughs> but like just doing all that is very neat and cool but like for the most part every boss just came down or every mini boss came down to just throw a grenade at him shoot him mm-hmm. and that's it and then you, they <laughs> explode you get a whole bunch of shit uh sun comes out beautiful inverted rainbow and uh etc cetera, etc cetera, pretty neat but the actual like the design of the enemies being like invisible but like not really all that invisible the footsteps that like explode off the ground when mm-hmm. they see you and start coming for you very tense very cool i love that design a lot mm-hmm. uh i don't know i just think it's it, it's just so much cooler than the regular human enemies yeah no and uh the tension is a, a large part of why i think i prefer the stealth approach mm-hmm. like sneaking past like weird tar ghosts is way more interesting than wading through tar and shooting a grenade launcher at a big blobby whale thing yeah or a cat or or whatever yeah whatever else is there yeah it's a little strange the way that 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 happened like i remember there's a part it's like right at the end of the game where you fight the like the penultimate like BT boss, which is the the big the, the whale. giant whale, yeah, yeah, and you're going through the area leading up to that, and there's a part where like as far as I can tell, you can't not de- like fight the boss, and it's two cat guys. Oh, I just ran away. You ran away from? Yeah, them? I tried to, and then was immediately they just like walked back up to me. We're like, hey, uh, we're still doing. Yeah, this. If, if you clear the tar, they, it just goes away. That normally worked, but it did yeah. not work in this Weird. situation. When then I proceeded a little bit further, and then four of them showed up. Oh wow! And I was like, four. Okay, I get the message. I'm not supposed <laughs> to fight them. And so you go a little bit further, you get out of the tar, and then the whale comes. Right. Like I was pretty much in a BT encounter for an hour. Like it was just <laughs> the whole way, mm-hmm. uh, and it was pretty. It was pretty fucking stressful, and I actually liked that a lot. Yeah, that whole last stretch I thought was cool. I, I thought particularly the part, there's a part where you kind of like crest over a hill and then you see a bunch of the like brain jellyfish things. Oh, yeah. Like just peppering this hillside and it's like a really creepy, ominous visual. Yeah. I kind of forgot about those yeah yeah they're easy to just run past is probably why but like just coming up on them like was a really cool moment Mm -hmm. and then like yeah every time you felt like you were 
just like out of an encounter like you stumbled on a new one right on the way back there uh, that was i thought the pacing of that was pretty good i also love that they disable your ability to like build things mm-hmm. and you have to rely on what's already there uh but i think the multiplayer ties into the plot enough that i don't really want to get into it mm-hmm. uh right here um other than that like bo- bosses wise like how did you because there's there's some things in this game where like there are a couple of, of bosses like bt bosses that they make you fight and then there are the unique bosses and i, I that big ta- like they put the whole narrative arc of Metal Gear Solid 2 into the <laughs> mechanical arc rather uh of Metal Gear Solid 2 into this game where they were like okay you get to the part where you kind of get what's going on and then you fight a big giant thing which is Metal Gear Ray aka mm-hmm. the giant BT uh and then you do the punch him up boss fight uh and then uh, there's well the, the whatever with the whale i don't know if there's really a good like <laughs> comparison there but it's it's just that whole stretch of the game felt the most like kojima's mechanical preferences coming in yeah the fight with higgs just feels like a metal gear boss yeah and it's i thought it was a highlight of the game i agree i think the the higgs boss fight and even the the big towering guy well i i'm lumping that in because he's like inside of it anyway so true (laughs) the attack on titan yeah so yeah that and then fighting him on the beach uh, all all the phases of it i thought all of it was cool yeah super good and like man i don't know i really like uh the performances in this game just overall Mm -hmm. and i thought that uh what's his fuck (laughs) name why am I blanking on Which this? Which character? Higgs. Oh, I don't know who played him. Troy Baker. Okay. Troy Baker did a super, super good job. Uh, and that, like... Well, I think they maybe reused a couple... They, they didn't record quite enough lines for how long that boss fight is. Yeah. It's still... Like, he does such a good job with the, with the role that it ended up being interesting regardless. Yeah. Do you want to talk about that right now? Like, the actors? <laughs> or do you want to save that? Uh, we could do that. What, uh, were there any other, like, we'll talk about more stuff mechanically when we talk about, like, right. fights and things, but were, was there anything you wanted to sort of cap off with the traversal? It, I feel like we didn't really talk about the time fall element. I think, the only thing. I think there could be a whole game based on the concept <laughs> of time fall, and I feel like it was kind of a missed opportunity here. Yeah. I love the concept. It's a great sci-fi concept, like story-wise. Yeah. Um, but and it was. I thought it was great early on, but once you get repair spray, kind of like just doesn't matter anymore. It's too easy to ignore. Yeah. Like even on the harder difficulties, like yeah, there are certain times when it's gonna be a problem, but if you have repair spray, then it isn't. Yeah, and anymore. then it gets even more not a problem when the shelters become a thing yeah it's weird in my opinion i I feel like they should have limited the amount you could carry at once like if they limited you to like one can per restocking you know every time you go to like fabricate equipment you can only make one right or if you already have one you can't make any or something Mm -hmm. like you have 
some kind of a restriction on it. I mean, I honestly think they could probably have just taken repair spray out of the game. Uh, like, but I, it's really satisfying to use, though. <laughs> it's pretty satisfying to use. But consider like the the timefall shelters, like right around when's you get those, mm-hmm. uh, you are able to like because those spray and repair your shit. Right. If you could just like make it to that and then that's the way that you repair by building those shelters yeah i don't know it, it obviously i think that they're they were trying to compensate for something mm-hmm. like the fact that you know like they don't want to punish you too heavily for taking falls accidentally right or whatever else like they just want to they want to make the game feel smoother because they know that if it's a little bit too hard like i think this game is really hard which is probably why they made it so easy yeah like because there are elements of this game that could really be punishing and they do everything in their power to make sure that it's not too punishing Mm. the playing the game is hard the game's difficulty itself is not and i think that is the 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 reasoning behind the the repair spray yeah but it does shit on time fall which is like the coolest thing in the whole game (laughs) (laughs) conceptually right did you notice that like if you walk out into an area uh, when the time fall starts if you like have the camera close enough to the ground you can see like flowers and plants like growing and withering i did not notice it's that. very very fucking cool yeah, they, I, they highlight it in a couple of cuts yeah scenes, I, I, like... yeah i noticed it in cut scenes but i really like the way it was set up i i wish there would have been like more of that yeah sort of thing who knows man yep is it time for the break? After the break. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Welcome back. Uh, now that we've gotten the really confusing sort of like mechanical core of the game out of the way let's talk about the really confusing sort of narrative properties that this game has i think what i want to start with and what we alluded to before the end of the last section was sort of thing that got a lot of people talking about this game uh the first trailer that that came out for this game is a very it is a masterwork and intriguing trailer design. Whether or not people saw it and were excited about the game, which I think is really only the case if you are a Kojima sort of, like, fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I kind of count myself as that. I, I don't necessarily know that I'm, like, a diehard, but the Metal Gear franchise played a big part in my, like, youth, uh-huh. <laughs> in my development of, of my tastes. Uh, and made me appreciate a lot of sort of like meta elements in games and things. And so I would give him credit for that 100%. I th- like Psycho Mantis is like one of my favorite boss fights just because I was so young when I played it the first time and it like really blew my socks off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this game isn't entirely like that, but the first trailer sure didn't make you know what this game was like at all. No. It's <laughs> Norman Reedus who is just Norman Reedus, just straight up is him, a baby on a beach, dead whales, floating figures, games called Death Stranding. That doesn't make any sense. No. (laughs) It is an absolute, like, mindfuck 
in like people tried to speculate what the game was about and I don't think anybody really <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> it doesn't make a ton of sense. Uh and I don't know. I was into it. A lot of people weren't into it. I think that the use of actual actors is a big thing as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was super into that initial trailer, and it almost kind of ended up writing a check the game couldn't cash for me because mm-hmm. it just seemed so surreal and weird and like stereotypical Kojima stuff. Right. Like Kojima Unleashed, <laughs> Unleash the Beast, Unleash the Beast Monster. Um, and I feel like the game is so much like the story of the game ended up being so much less weird than the trailers made it seem in reality. Yeah, I actually do agree. Uh, I think that this game is going to I, I didn't like read any criticism really of this game mm-hmm. uh, before recording this um, one. I because I never do just generally. And two, because I wanted to sort of keep my own interpretation to my, like, like I wanted this to be my actual thoughts on how the game worked. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this game is probably going to catch flack for being weird and confusing, but it had so much potential to be weirder and more confusing. Yeah, I, I feel like, and maybe I'm an outlier here, but, like, I really don't think the story is even that confusing. No. Because, like... I feel like, like the reputation Kojima has for being like weird, and his storytelling comes a lot from he really likes to focus on symbolism and parallels, and he really bogs things down with like details, but it he does it in like a quirky kind of way, yeah, like with his characters and it, the way it comes together ends up feeling like it's a lot more like weird shit is going on than it actually is yeah like when you step back even from like the metal gear games and this like they're really like the story of them isn't really that complicated yeah i i think what it comes down to and you can see it in this game but to a lesser extent is all of kojima's games are about something like each of them have an individual sort of like narrative idea and it's very on the nose most of the time Mm -hmm. like i I don't think people are all that confused about the anti-war sentiments in metal gear one right and i don't think that people are probably more confused but less than could have been about the like meta video game elements in metal gear 2 right and this game is about connections uh it's like its whole thing is like bringing society together is an overall positive thing people should be connected and the game does a lot to drive that point home and it's not ambiguous about it like it it's very straightforward they're like you're creating a network as the primary element of the game you get fucking emails all the time about <laughs> mm-hmm. people telling you like nobody has a negative thing to say everyone who sends you an email is like sam bridges the legend the best guy <laughs> that ever was 
Yeah, well, I mean, even, like, the, the main thing that you're doing, like, all of the, uh, like, bases are called knots, and you're mm-hmm. tying them all together. Exactly, You're yeah. making a big strand across the country. <laughs> and the word strand being used, like, figuratively and literally constantly mm-hmm. throughout the game. It was your character's original last name, which... I don't know how names work in this game. It seems like it's your profession is always your last well, name. It's j- j- your name is just a literal descriptor of what you do, right? Except Die Hardman, kind of. Eh. His is a metaphorical yeah, description his is of more, what he does. Yeah, yeah. Uh, dead man, very literal. But like, because he was Sam Strand, which right. presumably was his original name, but maybe not. Maybe they took that name when. Uh, uh, Bridget became president. Yeah, she adopted him, basically. Yeah, and then he becomes Sam Porter Bridges because he's a porter who works for Bridges. It's, right. like, very clear uh, in that. But, like, yeah, he the word Strand is his last name. The word Strand is the name of the, like, sitting president of the game when it starts. The uh, strands are the things that you tie your packages with and also the thing that you use to like disable enemies Mm -hmm. uh you use strands of your blood when you're doing shit building things Mm -hmm. the bola gun describes itself as using strands it's like the list goes on yeah it goes on forever (laughs) (laughs) everything keeps like coming up and they use the same thing bridges is a metaphor for connecting things as well mm-hmm. when you, you burn bridges you yeah. cut connections you literally build bridges yeah <laughs> like it's it is very clear and on the nose what it's about mm-hmm. the confusing part and this is true of metal gear as well is the interaction between characters yeah because they're more in-depth things but i don't think that that's really the case as much in this game because mm-hmm. metal gear you can go into this whole like conspiracy spiral where you talk about like the fucking lolly lule low <laughs> or the patriots and being and they're sort of the same a little bit different and there's like a background conspiracy and the they're controlling the populace and then building yeah. these weapons and like some of it's metaphor some of it isn't metaphor and that's where it gets weird this game is more or less just like the weird stuff is just like the supernatural stuff like yeah. why are mama and lachna the same person it isn't really connected to the beach which is like their main explanation for everything they just like mm-hmm. literally are some kind of weird chimera yeah <laughs> like, i don't understand um i think the metal gear games are a little bit more like cohesive because they're more linear games which is better for delivering a story mm-hmm. whereas this the first like two-thirds of it have almost no story and you only interact with holograms of people right and then it picks up basically once you pick finish chapter three there's a lot more story happening you know and uh i feel like the game kind of has a few too many uh strands uh to put it in th- thematically to the game where it's it's trying to do a few too many things i think and it all kind of pulls in different directions yeah and um my my feelings on this game are mostly positive but the problems i have with the game kind of stem from that where the game's not quite as like cohesive as i would have liked the story kind of feels 
like it stands independently from the game. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I kind of would have liked to see them come together a bit more. Yeah, I, I think... I don't know. See, I, I'm of two minds here. There are two major issues that I have with this game that really knock it down for me as far as, like, my overall take on it. Because I am positive on this game for a lot of, of I think, pretty legitimate reasons. Uh, my very legitimate reasons against it one of which we won't really get much conversation out of which is all the text is too goddamn small uh like if you're at all visually impaired it's impossible to there's a column in the deliveries thing Mm -hmm. that has a number in it and i don't know what it says and was (laughs) never able to read it like getting up close to the television i could not even tell what it was saying uh the just most of the text in the game is just much too small uh and that's a thing, and I think it needs to be addressed. No, that's fair. But it's not like a huge detractor. Uh, or at least it's not as much of a detractor as it could have been. Uh, people who are worse off than me might have big, bigger issues. But yeah. my second issue is what basically what you're saying. I think that the game mechanically builds until like two-thirds of the way through, and then the game actively hates you for engaging in its mechanics. Yeah, It's, it's like we're not introducing anything new. The only thing that we're going to introduce is things that make traversal basically irrelevant. And then that's when the narrative really takes hold. And Mm -hmm. I think they do it in my mind. It's an intentional choice. I'm not a hundred percent on that, but it happens when you're in the mountainous region is when the story really starts to kick into gear. Uh And the mountainous region is the place where you're least likely to want to take on extra tasks because it's it's misery to get around in for the yeah. most part um and if you skip them like i did in that part of the game where mm-hmm. i was like i'm not doing all these extra missions for these people uh then what ends up happening is you just sort of like blaze through the rest of the story really quickly mm-hmm. and because that's when the story picks up i that's why i feel like it's it's intentional yeah. if it wasn't intentional and they wanted you to enjoy the mechanics at that point then they fucked up <laughs> <laughs> but if if, they, if it is then i think they're okay yeah it feels like the game gets split into two distinct parts for me because once you hit the beach uh the west coast i mean um the literal beach yeah the 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 actual beach that is on the coast of carol or uh california yeah not not carolina different coast yes um (laughs) but uh so once you hit california it's basically the game play like completely changes like you got parts where you go to cliff's beach and it's like a third person shooter level Mm mm-hmm and you have the boss fight with Higgs, which is all combat stuff. You got to go back across the country um, and you don't deliver any cargo. It's just like run from here to there as fast as you can. Right. Uh, you I got... delivered all kinds of cargo in that part. Oh, yeah. I thought the, the, the chiral network shut down. There's no cargo to get. Yeah, you can still pick up orders from oh. places. So I did. I, I thought the by. game totally implied that there wasn't anything. Yeah. No, uh, just before you get to your last point there, uh, the, the, the part that I was actually warning you about a couple of weeks ago yeah. was... During that mission, which generally speaking, I love. I like the idea of going from one coast to the other yeah. without being able to build stuff. Uh, really puts like that's like the capper on the the traversal part yeah. of the game, and yeah. they do it well. Uh, 
But I, I picked up, like, it was, like, 250 kilograms of shit to carry from where I was to Portnut City. Mm-hmm. And then, like, stopped somewhere else, delivered a little bit of stuff, and then picked up, like, another 200 and, like, loaded it all into a truck and had, like, a huge amount of shit. Uh-huh. And was going there, and then the supercell takes you. And, oh, and yeah. it puts you on the other side of the lake. And I was like, all right, go menu, cancel all these orders. <laughs> like, I was right there. Oh, yeah. I could have delivered it. That's but, so yeah. weird. Like, I could have swore the game, like, explicitly stated that you couldn't do deliveries in that part. They say, it. they do say explicitly, no cargo to be delivered. Yeah, this just time you. you're the cargo. Yeah. yeah. So it does give that impression, which is why I checked in the first place. Uh, see, I, I, yeah, like, I didn't even rest at any actual places i only stopped at the little bases that you can make oh yeah on the way back but um so but you do that (laughs) yeah so you do yeah like there's no i guess there can be but there really isn't much of any delivery in that part and then you i skipped over it but there's the whole part where you go to the the beach uh, after after you fight higgs there's a bunch of other stuff where you're running around on the beach Mm mm-hmm uh and then you know you fight some more bosses the big whale and all that and you know and it's like the whole delivery uh traversal part of the game is basically dropped once the story is in full swing (coughs) and so they don't feel like they really gel yeah like it's not as bad as it could have been because a lot of the boss mechanics and things incorporate the movement into them like you're jumping around on buildings that come out of the tar and stuff yeah so there's something there but it just kind of feels like two different parts that don't click together yeah no and i don't disagree i think the the saving grace as far as i'm concerned for that split that happens like basically at that very moment is that the game's really goddamn long. It is very long. Yeah. I, I mean, some people would probably disagree with that, but if you're a listener of this podcast, you probably know we don't, we don't generally play games that are 50 to 60 hours. Mm-hmm. And so to me, it just felt like there was a whole game and then there was the sequel to that game, yep. Death Stranding 2, where they explain what happened in Death Stranding 1, ties up all the loose ends. Uh, and that is kind of like how I experienced it as well, because like the way that I played this game was like big chunks and they got to a point where, like, I think I turned the game off, like, right before the the trek back. And mm-hmm. I played through the whole rest of the game in one sitting from that point. It was, like, six hours. But, like, uh, just doing all of that was, uh, it, it just felt like a totally different experience. Yep. But the narrative itself, uh, as we were kind of getting to with the uh, the other discussion, is, I think decent at least i think there are parts of it some of the motivations for characters feel a little bit like they're just doing it to do it yeah there's some underdeveloped parts like higgs had almost no presence in the story whatsoever uh it it felt because like cliff feels like he's set up to be the antagonist right but then it's Higgs who maybe showed up three times and said like five words to you before you fight him yeah. ends up getting like the final boss treatment. So that felt kind of weird. Yeah. Uh, Cause well, cause they end up like subverting what you expected and Cliff isn't a bad guy. Right. Um, 
but it just it felt weird that there wasn't more of like a confrontation with him and his last little war Vietnam uh, third person shooty level. Yeah, I felt like the natural conclusion to the the Unger part of the game mm-hmm. would probably have been uh, like a actual boss fight with him on Amelie's beach, like yeah. in that unfamiliar space, as opposed to in the wartime, mm-hmm. which is the only times that you fight him. Though you do fight him three times, uh, which is I think one more time than you fight Higgs. Uh, Higgs has one where you fight a BT and then you fight him actually twice. Yeah. Uh, three times. Is it three? Yeah, it's part where he's Titan. shooting you. Well, he's in the Titan. Then there's part where he shoots you. You run around and you throw briefcases at him. And then there's the and, fighting game. And part. then there's the part where he has the knife. Right. And I then, consider that one fight, but I I can see what you're, yeah, you're saying. I, I think those are different phases. True. Like he's got like a four phase boss fight. Yeah, but and it gives it like a weird, uh, sort of pacing where the final boss so to speak, is kind of that big whale. Yeah. Because you don't actually do any other combat after that. Mm -hmm. It's like, you do that, then you go to the beach, then you do the narrative finale of the game, and then you end the game, and Mm -hmm. then you you do the sad walk to the incinerator. (laughs) Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I don't dislike that so much like because i don't i'm not one for boss fights generally unless they like really above go above and beyond uh-huh. and the whale super didn't do that yeah, it was yeah it was like the the cap to the bt part yeah of the game but not even though because like or it's supposed to be yeah like it's cool it looks good yeah i like the big whale flying around i like things that are underwater i like it even more apparently when things that are underwater fly around in the sky because that's cool yeah uh <laughs> you could shoot rockets at it. Shoot, yeah, shoot big rockets at it. But like, it had like one threatening attack. A- yeah, like at the all. big the laser. laser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, laser whale was definitely a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but after that, it's just it's it's a narrative conclusion, and I don't know. I honestly don't know how I feel about the ending of this game. Uh, I I think. It's satisfying uh, as a narrative, at least like the um, the end part that we've been discussing here. I think there's a lot, or maybe not a lot, but there's definitely something left to be desired with all the characters and like their stories that were explored in their chapters. Felt like they needed more, you know? Because yeah. like I thought like um, Hartman, <laughs> super fucking interesting concept and like he was like the actor was really good Mm -hmm. uh the performance you know like i was interested in that character and then it's just kind of like his little contained thing that explains what's up with him and then that's it yeah the the parts of the game that actually took place in his lab i thought were really cool Mm -hmm. i felt like hartman's character conceptually was a little bit of a mess because they like jammed everything they possibly could (laughs) into it it was like that's the kind of weird shit that i want when i play a kojima game (laughs) this is true yeah yeah hartman yeah he feels like uh they jammed everything that they could into him, but the end result was pretty cool. But at the same time, like, I don't know if it would have been more satisfying if he had like actually found his family. No, I didn't want that, but I just, I just feel like you could have done more with the characters. 
Right. And he, he felt like an especially big missed opportunity because he comes in so late. Yeah. And he's only conscious for 21 minutes at a time. Uh, and I felt like I reading some of his interview logs, I feel like those We're took longer me than longer than 21 minutes, 21 minutes to read. It's yeah, like I was like, why not do every hour? Yeah. You know, why 21 minutes? I'm sure there's a reason. Yeah, they gave a little explanation. I don't know if there's more where he said, like, most essential functions in life can be done in 21 minutes. Right. So, or is it 23? I think it's 21. Is it 21? I forget, because in some... Oh, yeah, because it's out for three, so it's 24 minutes. Somehow it's related, because it, it was... like a TV show. Yeah, it was like the amount of time that you can do, and it, it, like uh, the number of times that it would happen over the course of a day, mm. that kind of a thing. Like, there's there's reasoning behind it, but it's a weird reasoning. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a strange... He's a strange character, but like kind of a lot of them are. Yeah. The fact that Dead Man is a Frankenstein monster yeah. is kind of glossed over. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like, that's what, the kind of thing I'm talking about. Yeah. Like, they're like, hey, Guillermo del Toro character uh, is literally made from parts of other corpses. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, he's literally a Frankenstein's monster. But that's it. Yeah, you know, it's just his backstory. Whatever, we're not even going to go into it, right? Like, you know, who did it? Why no. did they do it? Yeah, like they don't explore the characters that much. And it's weird because they even give him narrative importance, not just because he's like the leading BB research dude in yeah. your team, but also he is like he describes himself that like because he's made up of the parts of other people he doesn't have a beach he doesn't have a connection mm-hmm. to the other side yep, and that, that seems significant exactly and like they use it i think a little bit in the ending if i'm not he's mistaken. the one who goes in and gets him right and i i assume that that's like the payoff for that yeah but it feels like there should be so much more oh, payoff. Yeah. yeah like he's like a superhuman in the context of the world that they've set up but they don't do much with it yeah uh, Mama, I think, does get explored pretty well. Yeah, yeah, that was a highlight. I thought M- Mama was a was a cool character. Like, I think they did a good job of introducing her as a hologram early enough, and then taking just long enough to actually meet her in the game world, and then so like her story felt better paced mm-hmm. and placed into the game than a lot of the others. Yeah, and, and like her quirk. Of having a, like a literal BT, BT child, baby. yeah. yeah. That, that one worked well. It it felt the most like a little like a literal episode, as they're called. Right. Like it felt like a story that you're introduced to. It's told and has resolution all in the space, you know, that it takes place in the game, and like none of the others really do that. Yes, I yeah, I could not possibly like. I think between her and probably fragile are the most, like, fleshed-out characters mm-hmm. in the game. Like, not even... Because Die Hardman feels like a character that should be fleshed out and just isn't mm-hmm. because he's the one who has the mystery built up around him. Yeah. But he just doesn't get that, really. No. Unger sort of does, but at the same time, he's kind of one note for what he is. Yeah. Uh, Mama, super well fleshed out, is a three-dimensional character. Seems good. Fragile, less three-dimensional, I think. She's, like, yeah. driven by revenge is kind of her story, but... She's she feels like sci-fi woman. Yeah. You know, like she she has this like kind of 
like she feels like a Star Trek alien. Like she has this very monotone way of speaking, and she kind of doesn't feel human. Right. Like a. Yeah, no, I think Star Trek comparison's probably yeah. good. Good there. She's got like she almost kind of. This is like a a stretch, but it kind of illustrates what I'm getting at. But like almost kind of feels like C-3PO. Mm-hmm. She feels like kind of very like calm and measured and diplomatic. <laughs> you could imagine her moving like like C-3PO when she talks. <laughs> You know what I mean? Like, imagine her voice, and then imagine her doing that while she she talks, and right. it fits. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, and that's not even necessarily... I mean, it is definitely somewhat of a slight to the performance, because it is... It's, I mean, that might have been what they were going for. Yeah, like, I, I don't necessarily know. She, But yeah, I think it's like... I don't know. I feel like people who have more interpretation on this might have something. Like, I don't know if she's supposed to be like, she's like that because she's intentionally repressing. Yeah. It it feels like an intentional stylistic choice to me. But, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Like, with a Kojima game, it it is really up in the air more so than it would normally be. (laughs) Uh, But, I mean, I liked Fragile as a character a lot. Um, The reveal that, like under her clothes she's got like she's yeah, old she's old yeah. is is cool um also really emphasizes how little like importance timefall gets given because like it seems to me like she should be just dead not like yeah it depends they didn't re- they kind of glossed over exactly how long she was in it mm-hmm. but yeah you would think that it's been what ten years since that happened to her or something. Yeah. Well, I'm thinking like in the so her body's probably what like ninety years old now. Yeah, roughly about that. <laughs> and like they in the the scene where they introduce her and they're in the cave and like a one single droplet of time fall hits Sam's hair and it turns gray. Yeah. <laughs> like this seems like it's aging kind of a lot. <laughs> Maybe he just is going to gray early, but yeah. I don't know if the time fall really distinguishes. Yeah, it's a little inconsistent. Yeah. It, once again, I feel like time fall is a concept that deserved a little bit more yeah. time than it was given. But yeah, Fragile's story is cool, I think. I think that it could have been fleshed out more, like mm-hmm. a lot a lot of these could have been. But they were working with sort of an ensemble here, and... It's just weird how much more some of them had than others. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it comes back to, like, what I started out saying, is it it feels like there's too many strands, and Mm -hmm. they're pulling in too many different directions. Like, there's, like, the priorities are kind of, like, not mismanaged, but they're, like, uneven. Right. Because they don't want to give... I guess one character more important, or they do want to give yeah. one character more importance than the others. Yeah, it's like instead of cutting things, they just kind of tried to polish everything that was there as much as they could, and it's kind of uneven. Yeah. So I want to, since we're, we'll come back to one particularly important character uh, in a second, but the dialogue in the game I know has been sort of blasted for being a little bit like melodramatic. Uh, and hokey, and I can kind of get behind that, but maybe I'm just fucking used to it. Yeah. Because there are very few lines that I noticed being particularly weird and out of place. I think a lot of the interactions uh, with the hologram people felt kind of like that. Yeah. Stuff in cutscenes I didn't think was that bad. Mm-hmm. Personally. I... Like Conan O'Brien. <laughs> 
shows up and it's really weird and yeah. he just kind of feels like he's just saying the lines I feel like I, I got the opposite impression. I felt like Conan wrote those lines. I mean, it feels like it could have just been him making some stuff <laughs> just up. Just like improv. Yeah. But like, I don't know. There were some things that like he, like actual gameplay things that he explained, like with the otter hood. Right. And it was just like, man, yeah, that's just Conan reading off a sheet of paper. <laughs> 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 yeah. And I think a lot of the, the hologram people in the different bases or whatever you want to call them, uh, the knots. Yeah. Uh, felt that way. Yeah. Especially like, cause some of these people are not actors. Like the, like the, some of the characters here are being portrayed by like, I mean, mm, they were motion captured, not all of them voiced by, mm-hmm. but like, uh, Edgar Wright, who's a director, not necessarily an actor, probably spent a lot of time around actors. Right. Just probably pick some <laughs> stuff up. Is a character in this game. Uh, Junji Ito is an art, is an artist and a writer. Doesn't seem like he would know a whole lot about acting. <laughs> uh, also, definitely was dubbed because I don't think he even speaks English. Right. Uh, a really strange like selection of people. So you can't expect everybody to do really well. I guess it's just like some of the parts where, like. All right, we're going to come back to that very important character, and uh-huh. I'm going to tie it in here, because why doesn't Sam ever say anything to anybody? It's so weird and bothered me uh, through the whole game. Silent protagonist. But he isn't. Like, no, he's not but supposed I mean, to be. I feel like there's a reason a lot of games use silent protagonists, and it's this exact reason, because in gameplay... Uh, it like non-cutscene kind of uh, interactions. It you would end up with so much dialogue for the character for the main character. That is true, and like I guess so you just don't have them say anything. Have it be implied. I guess like Norman Reedus spent like two years on the motion capture for this game. I believe it. Yeah, so like it, it makes some amount of sense, but like it just like there are places where I feel like he should have. <laughs> lines of dialogue yeah where instead he just stares off into nothing even on it even in cutscenes, there are times when he just like doesn't say anything yeah they i feel like they kind of want to make him like the like the strong loner type right like the the wanderer type that he's supposed to be uh literally wandering america yeah but no it is it is a bit weird and he's supposed to be detached and he's supposed to he he like has a fear of human contact like that's written into his character but human contact and expressing opinions about things that are important mm-hmm. seem like they're different to me but maybe it's emotional contact as well yeah his, his is the story that i wanted to talk about here because like he does have character growth I will give him that. Mm-hmm. It's it's supposed to be that at the beginning, he doesn't want anything to do with it. And at the end, he doesn't want anything to do with it, but he's okay with being touched. And <laughs> <laughs> that appears to be what it is. Like, he, in the end, he doesn't have any, he still doesn't have love for country. That's not what he gains. Right. It's more just like an acknowledgement of the importance of human beings. Yeah. Which I think is valid, mm-hmm. but... Uh, also, he loves cryptobiotes now. Yeah. Whereas before he thought they were gross, and now when you eat one, he's like, ooh, that's tasty. Yep. Uh, it's a little bit weird. Yeah. But given that he has some growth, I will go ahead and give him a pass. But 
the way that he behaves in the game is so outlandish and bizarre <laughs> that like i feel like it almost conflicts with the whole point of him as a as a character where okay. it, it's like he is the delivery like the vehicle i almost said deliver that's bad because that's what he literally is uh of all of the weird meta content in the game like where they got to like sort of play with it where he like looks at the camera and like does weird motions and shit Mm -hmm. and like there are times when i feel like he's talking to the player like if you're running carelessly and he trips and you recover he's like dude like yeah he like talks to you like it it's weird there are times where he'll like turn around and look at you. Mm-hmm. Like I don't, I couldn't remember exactly what triggered it, but it did seem like it was something that I was doing, and he was acknowledging it. Yeah, that's honestly what I was wondering as well, because it would happen occasionally, and I'd be like, "Is this him looking at the camera? Is this like an environmental thing where he's supposed to check?" And I would like swing the camera around and look behind me, and there wouldn't be anything there, and so I kind of just assumed that it was a just sam checking out you the player mm, yeah at the time it's a real strange thing and like sam acknowledges the like gaminess in his actions but it's not in the narrative mm-hmm. so i don't know what to take from that it is weird like i would compare it there's some similar things in near which makes me wonder if there's some kind of a cultural element because like to be, I know if you look up her skirt enough that she will like turn around and like swat her hand and it'll make the camera move. Right. So, and like that game also in its narrative has meta elements, but they're not necessarily like acknowledged in the gameplay. And you know, there's like a similar thing going on there. But, um, so I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but, it definitely feels very Kojima. I know that to like yeah. want to deliver like fourth wall breaking meta things just in the gameplay. I think the reason though, why something like Psychomantis works is because it is a one-off and it's built into his character mm-hmm. because they, they, the game interprets your interaction with it as solid snakes like mental process right which is why when you change the input method even though psychomatis himself refers to it as like the dual shock 2 in the <laughs> controller port 2 and yeah. you know memory cards and stuff he talks about ape escape like it's a real thing in his universe it's still contextualized whereas i feel like it isn't as much in Death Stranding, yeah. and it feels strange at times. Yes, yeah. I'm not even really referring to like that, like kind of stuff, but like more <laughs> in Metal Gear, like the in Metal Gear Three where you climb the ladder and the theme music plays, right. or like just the characters referencing the buttons when you're talking to them in the codec. True, yeah, uh, stuff like that, like the the smaller things. Like I feel like Metal Gear has that kind of stuff too, and this game also has metal gear style like title cards and non-diegetic music and stuff yeah and it introduces the characters by like saying the character name and then the actor's name underneath of it yeah and and i think that stuff is done well i think because there's even like a bit of a break 
in the like when a music when a when a music plays when a song <laughs> plays uh bb will like giggle and become happier because bb likes hearing the music mm-hmm. but like the music isn't literally playing but, but maybe it's being it reacted is. to yeah. yeah so like there's sort of an element of that and i think that that's done well and is cool and i think bb is actually a great character to deliver that stuff through because he's connected to the other side exactly like there's a there's an element a supernatural element to bridge babies as Mm -hmm. a thing uh which makes it stranger when when norman reedus is like don't look at my dick (laughs) yeah (laughs) it's kind of i don't know uh Uh, while we're on the subject i don't want to like gloss by this without bringing it up but how do you feel about the practice of casting actors in a video game this has come up a lot since this game came out. Weirdly. Yeah, because I really dislike it personally. Okay. Um, it, it. I just feel like it's really distracting. Like we're used to it in movies because you have to cast real people in <laughs> movies to play parts outside of animated films. Uh, but it just video games have never had that, mm-hmm. and now just because we can replicate someone's likeness. Like, it's been done a few times. You know, this is probably the most it's ever been done, like, the most prevalent it's ever been. But, like, it just, it's really glaring to me. Like, every time um, uh, Dead Man's on the screen, I'm just like, that's Guillermo del Toro. That character just (laughs) is Guillermo del Toro to me. Yeah. And not Dead Man, really. You know, it's it's really weird. And it, it works better with actors like Norman Reedus, at least for me, because I don't know him from as many things. I don't watch The Walking Dead. Right. I've seen The Boondock Saints, but he's a lot younger in that, you know. But so that lands a bit better when the actors aren't as well known. But like, it's still, it's still weird. Like, I feel like you can subconsciously tell this is based on a real person. Yeah. Even if you don't aren't familiar with them. It's like uh, in horror movies where it's like way better when a horror movie has an unknown cast because it's easier to sort of like merge with the character and suspend your disbelief. Yeah. Uh, And I can see that, especially in a situation like a video game where you like your inputs affect the actual outcome of the game. So the game benefits more from you actually having a connection with the character you're playing. Mm -hmm. But... (laughs) I kind of like it, I'm going to be honest. Mm. I think that it works well in a game like this. Because the game is itself about, like, a kid, like I don't know. I don't think it's less important in this game to separate Dead Man and Del Toro and separate, uh, like, Unger with Matt's Mickelson. Because it's like, these are just, the, the, it feels more cinematic. Mm-hmm. They aren't, you never fight dead man is a boss right and he roller skates around and drops bombs <laughs> everywhere uh <laughs> you do fight unger but he's he's not recognizable in gameplay mm-hmm. because he's so small compared to when they zoom in on his face and show his crazy their you know tech with all of the the facial rigging and animation mm-hmm. so i think narratively it works fine i think it feels like a natural progression from using real like known actors as voice actors to using them just as they are 
I do agree that it's distracting. Mm-hmm. And I agree that it would not work as like a consistent thing that just happens in video games forever. Yeah. But I think that there are places that can use it. And I wouldn't even say that this is the ideal one. Yeah. I think that there are more appropriate places to do this than this game. But Kojima felt like he wanted to do it, and yeah. I don't think that it turned out badly, so I'm okay with it. Yeah, it is. It feels like it, it stems a little bit too much from the fact that Kojima like wants to make movies. Like yeah. he's yeah you know, gone on record as saying that he'd like to like make Hollywood movies. So it, I guess this is the next best thing for him, right? But I don't know. It. I feel like I. To, for me, it never it feels like it benefits the game at all. It only ever feels like a distraction. I think the... Personally, but that might just be me. My uninformed argument that makes... That could potentially make no sense is... <laughs> they have to spend less time designing a character and modeling it if they can just scan a human being's face and put them on it. I mean, that's fair. I don't know if that's like a good argument for it, but it is. I mean, that's like a one cold corporate argument. Yeah, you know? I mean, it's well, more efficient. <laughs> consider if maybe this uh, process of scanning people only had them have to be sponsored by Monster and AMC, <laughs> and like there could have been like you could have been driving like a Hyundai Sonata. <laughs> In the game and, like, have advertisements for, like, NBA games that are updated live (laughs) via the internet instead. Like, that would be a corporate dystopia. Yeah. Currently, we just have you chugging cans of Monster and shitting nearby an ad. It all kind of feels in the same boat to me, but... I mean, that's fair. Like, to me, seeing, uh, like, Mads uh, Mads Mikkelsen in this game is as weird to me as seeing the American Express logo in Final Fantasy 15. Like, it's just it's just weird yeah. to me. Uh, See, so yeah, that's the one thing that I don't... I guess this is going to be our point of disagreement because I do agree that the monster ad... Oh, yeah, I fucking hate that. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is terrible and feels weird and honestly seems unhealthy, the amount of, of oh, monster yeah. energy that this man consumes. <laughs> Just all at once. It's really bad for his kidneys. Yeah, you should not do that. Uh, but I don't think that the actors are distracted. Because those are people who make choices, who just, who were asked to, to yeah, come in. Yeah. Whereas, like, obviously, whoever owns Monster, which is weird that I can't remember this now, I think it's like Pepsi Corporation, went to Kojima and said, we'll give you X amount of money if you make your main character drink monster out of a fucking canteen. Right. Like, it doesn't... Where's the spinoff game about the guy who has to open the cans of monster and pour them into his canteen. <laughs> t- he's got a funnel. And just like, <laughs> here you go. Well, the canteen is also magical because mm-hmm. it just it converts, refills. it converts water into the monster. monster. Yeah. It's, it's monster Jesus. Yeah. Uh, it's what plants crave. It is what plants crave. Brando. Uh, <laughs> Uh, 
Yeah, and it's unsettling to an extent, because I don't want more of that. Like, <laughs> we talked in the first half of this game about how this game, that that Death Stranding feels like an auteur project done on a AAA budget, mm-hmm. but what allowed it to, like, no one's internal vision of this game involved Sam drinking Monster. Right. Like, that was just a thing that happened, and now we all have to deal with it forever. Right. And, it's, and I appreciated the time when... For a however brief a period, the cans of monster were replaced with Timefall Porter because it just makes more sense. It's an in-universe beverage. It doesn't like distract, and at no point are you unleashing the beast. Right. It's just it, it, uh, like the way that you turn the camera, and then like it just has the perfect distance from the can, and you can actually read the text on the can. <laughs> Yep, you get to pause the game (laughs) and get all the nutrition facts. Yep. It's, I mean, it is a beautifully rendered can of Monster. Sure. But that is not, that's (laughs) little condolence for its existence. Uh, I feel like we have to move on. Yeah. Uh, I guess while we're talking about it, what do you think of the private room as a thing? Uh... I like it, and also I hate it. Uh, I think it is cool a couple of times. I think that doing, like, the way that they have the menu set up is neat and interactive, but by the end of the game, you just don't want to be in there. And one element of it makes me incredibly angry, and that's that Sam does not pee when he poops. Mm. Unaccept, nobody does that. Literally (laughs) nobody's ever done that. Uh, and that I don't, I don't know. I don't know why I have to go to the bathroom two times. Yeah. It doesn't make sense physically. It also doesn't make sense from a respecting my time perspective. Mm -hmm. I really hated that. Like it would let you drink all three monsters right in a row. Yeah. But then if you put the hat on, it puts the camera back over to Sam and you have to pan back over to the table if you want to put the sunglasses on. Yep. I just stopped doing it. Like, mm-hmm. I just put them on from the menu, which is faster, but at the same... But it isn't as... I would forget to do it. Yeah. More often. But uh, it just... It felt like a weird... Maybe this will be a me thing uh, <laughs> once again. But it felt really weird to me, like, the choice to have it... You, you can't actually move around it as a 3D space. Mm-hmm. That it's just like a thing where the camera's basically in the middle of the room and you pan around it. Yeah, yeah. it's like basically like a menu. I felt like because the choice to me, could, the game has menus. The mm. game is kind of a a whole lot of menus, so many menus. Yes, but this seemed like a choice where they had an idea for something interesting and executed on it, and I can't really fault them for that. Like I think it is cool that they made the decision to have this one part where it just operates differently. It's user experience 2.1. They were like, we're going to go a little bit, little bit experimental with it. Change the way that you work on your shit. Mm -hmm. And I think that that is fine. I think it takes a little bit too long for what it actually does for you. Yeah. Yeah. It is a nice, like kind of contrast, I guess, to the rest of the game. Like, the fact that, like, uh, he's, like, resting and you also get to, like, chill for a second and do something else. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't prefer that it get replaced by a, like, 
static menu that just says like what do you want to do like right. playing dwarf fortress yeah. or something yeah it just it stood out to me because like, it felt like any other game made now would just have that be a 3d space that you walked around like the rest of the game yeah or just like the character's not there and as you like navigate through a menu that's like vertically oriented the camera flips to yeah. where in the room it is mm-hmm. like there are lots of ways to do it that are more efficient uh but it wouldn't get Norman Reedus doing that thing where he like stares at you yeah. and then turns and points at the <laughs> yeah it's at every time he finishes showering he winks at you yeah good dude yeah then Norman Reedus uh, <laughs> uh, also kind of baffling you can skip the whole bathroom scenes yeah by just hitting start and skip but the shower you have to skip three times yep a little bit weird very weird uh. I don't know. They that... just wanted you to see Norman Reedus's chiseled body. Yeah, they're like, we spent two weeks <laughs> fucking scanning Norman Reedus's ass, <laughs> and if you don't have to look at Norman Reedus's <laughs> ass for one one hundredth of the time that we did, <laughs> it just wouldn't be a fair trade. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I like that they used it narratively, though. Like, I like that. BB's in the pod resynchronizing with his still mother, which I don't. Even, do we even have time to go into how <laughs> weird like the whole concept of BB's is, where it's like babies that are born to mothers who die, and so they have a connection to the other side, and so they use them to see BTs. But like this one is Sam. Like it's weird. I feel like we have to talk about that. We do. Yeah, uh, we should probably I mean, stop talking about the private room. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, that was a pretty good summary. Yeah. Uh, no. Once again, like the time fall and like a handful of other things in here. Great sci-fi concept. There's like a lot of good ideas in here. Um, but yeah, it's like a lot of the other stuff as well. Like it just doesn't feel like it gets explored enough. Um, and to go specifically into since you brought it up, the like is Sam BB thing. Right. Uh, we already had this conversation. Uh, off cast but it is an interesting thing to talk about because i feel like probably around the time you get to mountain knot where the story picks up i i I called that that was gonna be a thing yeah i was like guessing like oh is sam gonna be bb uh don't remember exactly what put that in my head but like (laughs) i was like are they the same person and then it gets towards the end and it seems like that is the case. But then I felt like I wasn't sure if they were different entities or not. I felt like it actually ended up leaving it kind of fuzzy mm-hmm. because I'm not sure. Like I like I was saying off cast, it feels like there has to be a loop somewhere where Sam as bb ends up in this timeline and can exist at the same time that adult sam does and that's not explained if they're supposed to be the same person right because all right so my interpretation of and this is actually where we can talk about the multiplayer stuff yeah because like and i'm on the fence like i'm not sure if they're supposed to be the same or if they're different people (laughs) because the the game in several instances refers to there being more than one Sam. It's like the characters in the game acknowledge other Sam's existing, like seeing and making deliveries to them. And the implication I think 
moderately obviously is that this represents other people playing the game this is why there are other structures and stuff built even though within the game world it's kind of implied that there aren't that many porters still around and you do run into some Mm -hmm. uh but like people talk about it and they say like oh i definitely saw you sam so like thanks for stopping by and giving me some more shit and all of that and hartman specifically makes multiple references to sort of like the many worlds theory uh, which i think is like borrowed for this game but not really deeply explored mm-hmm. so there's an interpretation that i think they want you to take away that death stranding irrespective of the fact that the afterlife is merging with the real world mm-hmm. totally separate from that also there's just like a convergence of multiple living worlds or potentially respective of that honestly i couldn't tell you mm-hmm. um and if that is the case and there are all these sams then it stands to reason that it is possible that as the narrative sets up cliff unger is sam's dad mm-hmm. and Sam is BB28, a.k.a. Lou, a.k.a. Louise, right. a.k.a. the artist formerly known as <laughs> BB28. Uh, and they, it's like, I don't know why it's significant enough that they had to put it in an after credit sequence that BB is a girl. Mm-hmm. Because it. I don't know if they're signaling there that it's not Sam. Because Sam is not a girl. Right. Or if they're signaling that, like, there's been a significant enough change brought on by Sam's actions that the timelines are are diverging. Right. I don't even know if there's, like, time loops happening or if everything is just happening simultaneously. because yeah, it does almost kind of feel like Sam... Um there might be a cyclical theme in there, like with the scene of like his fetus uh, washing up on the beach right. and stuff. But um, yeah, it's, it's really not, it's really brushed over. Um, and, and I even brought up, it could also be like kind of a, a wink or a nod to like Jurassic park that like the gender <laughs> yeah. changed, you know, life finds a way and all that. Yeah. And there's, some reference to sex in the game like it's pretty oblique but like there's there's an uh, an article called like the asexual world where like people are devaluing human contact so like the fact that sam has is himself like narratively metaphorically hermaphroditic and that his other infant self might also be a girl i don't really know (laughs) right like if that's somehow relevant if it is then these things are like seated in the most this is the most like the patriots thing in the game is that there are multiple sams and it makes the the multiplayer really cool I love that they've given a context for it, and I like that the way that's implemented. The fact that people structures show up and you can make strand contracts with them to make their stuff show up more often. If you find somebody who did like a particularly helpful move, you can like bring them in as a as a buddy uh, to see more of their stuff. but then I don't know narratively if it's supposed to imply anything, and I would have written it off as just being a an excuse for how the multiplayer works. Right. 
until that ending scene. And I wish it didn't bother me so much, but it's in such a prominent place. Right. Like, you don't put... It's not like at the end of, like, a, a Marvel movie. Like, they put... They introduce Thanos at the end of a Marvel movie. They don't introduce, like, a totally un, un, unassuming, unimportant character. Right. They're not like, look, this is Jimmy. He bought a bike recently. Anyway, see you later. <laughs> Jimmy won't return in Avengers 3. <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's weird i don't know yeah definitely weird <laughs> i can't say it bothered me as much but uh uh yeah i this is the one thing where i have to say i have no conclusion to draw from this no, whatsoever. I, and i don't think they want you to yeah so also higgs is the guy who wants pizza delivered oh know, yeah i don't know if you caught this it, it just is him and it's very weird because you kill him and then he sends another email. So there's also multiple of him, I think. Weird. Or he had... An, I didn't do that mission, but I guess it's possible that he had an email rigged to send after he died. <laughs> I don't know. That was one mission I didn't finish mm. because I took that one and another one at the same time. And I I like wasn't used to reading like the the markers on the map yet. Because the one that I was supposed to do was, like, to retrieve something from a mule uh, camp, post, yeah. post box or whatever they're called. And, like, for some reason, I was, like, meshing the two missions in my mind. And I thought I was supposed to take the pizza there and put it in the post box. <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up just, like, losing that cargo and then realizing later, like, what happened, like, why I was confused about that. And then just never did it. Like, yeah. I never went back and actually delivered the pizza. <laughs> uh, yeah, I should, I, I don't know, do that mission and see what's up. Because there's, like, an implication that uh, when you go back, he's unlocked the room and you can go check out his shit. Oh, yeah. As if that's, like, a thing. And I didn't really know what to expect in there. And also the game was real long, so I didn't continue playing after I finished it. Right. Maybe I'll do it, like, right now, and then we'll come back and talk about it if it's important. So I guess stay tuned. Um, but, yeah, that's that's what I have on the Sam multiple Sams theory. Right. <laughs> I don't know if there's anything <laughs> else to spin off of from that. Uh, I don't know. It might be time to wrap it up. That seems... I mean, we've been going for a while, yeah. so we could do that. Do we have BT's beached thoughts? <laughs> uh, I guess I have mixed feelings on this game that lean positive. Um, I did enjoy my time with it. Uh, but I think my, my thesis on this ended up being, I think it, it just tries to do a few too many things that get pulled in a few too many directions and it doesn't quite gel into as cohesive as a product that I would like personally, but I do really appreciate the game a lot. I think it's important, uh, that this game was produced and made and it's so like being so different and, like, you know, coming from, a, like, a visionary director, you know, like, you just don't see a lot of that in, like, big-budget games anymore, or maybe ever, because it takes, like, hundreds of people to make games. Uh, so, no, yeah, I think it's fairly important, and I think this game's doing well. 
I'm not a hundred percent sure on that, but it seems like it's got a lot of press. Um, so yeah, I hope it, it continues to do well and that Kojima productions goes on to make some more weird, uh, games that kind of push boundaries. Yeah. I think there's, uh, some uh, unrelated to my final thoughts. I think that there's some speculation that Kojima productions is going to make movies now. I don't know if he's planning on making more games. That but... would make total sense, but would make me sad. Yeah. I, I don't know. I'm kind of like, to do my final thoughts. Okay. If this was Kojima's last game ever, I don't think that I would be destroyed by it. Like, this feels like a capstone to Kojima's career in some ways, where it's like, this is a game that is so different from what he was doing before that it feels like him sort of breaking free which is a good like phoenix rising from the ashes version of the story of the falling out between him and konami Mm -hmm. and to, to me that makes some amount of sense this game as a whole i liked i i think it would be difficult to say whether this is like among my favorite of his games it's up there in comparison to the other ones but it is so different that it's hard to compare i enjoyed the time that i spent playing the game and when i was playing it i usually wanted to keep playing it and that's a good sign Mm -hmm. because there are lots of games even games that i liked that i felt like i gotta take breaks like every once in a while so as an open world game this does fulfill the requirements of making an open world game successful uh i appreciate that it breaks boundaries a lot and i appreciate that it was produced for the budget that it has for a audience that probably really is not going to enjoy it like (laughs) (laughs) i think the majority of of people who are buying triple a games probably didn't sign up for the package delivery business uh but the fact that it is so blatantly in your face, not a thing you do in video games, is what draws me to it more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the like performances of, of famous people being an interesting novelty and the narrative itself being sort of like almost icing on the weird mechanical cake that this game is. Uh, that's what I got. All right. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, we're going to be talking about The Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening Switch version. Yeah, the the Switch remake. Yeah, so not the DX, not the original Game Boy version, but the Switch remake version. Uh, that's next time. <laughs> I'm looking forward to actually finishing the game. I'm looking forward to actually playing it for yeah. the first time. I played, it was on the 3DS eShop for like a dollar or something, and I played like half of it and never finished it. Yeah, so this will be a, a good experience all around, I think. We'll mm-hmm. re- return to Nintendo after a whole one game off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's not true. It's been more than one game. Until that time you can keep an eye out for 
the No Clip Awards Volume Two. It's that time of year. It is. Uh, we're going to be welcoming JJ back on. Uh, I say until that time. I have no idea if we're going to record and release that before or after the uh, Link's Awakening episode. Uh, but expect it early next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know. Check out. Maybe we'll ask you guys to vote on some categories or something. Get like a. Yeah. To, uh, to all our, our actual fans in the Discord, like <laughs> all six of you or whatever. Bring gatekeeping back 2020. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no no true no clip fan. Uh, but yeah, so keep, keep, keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for the next episode. And no clip pocket releasing sometime in the next week or so. Mm-hmm. Until that time, you can get a hold of us. All of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com, where you can find links to our email, our Twitter account, uh, the Discord, all places you can get a hold of us, as well as lists of all of our episodes and links to all the places you can listen to them. I already called out listening to the Metal Gear episode at the end of the last episode, so what do we recommend for oh, uh, Death Stranding? Um, other open world games we did breath of the wild that's skyrim yeah it's good don't uh, that's old that's too old for me to recommend but <laughs> man uh, this is difficult yeah oh you know what i recommend what smashing that like oh. button <laughs> what's up everybody and it's plain to see the no clip podcast is the place to be and I stole this flow from Run DMC, <laughs> which is what makes people not want to be friends with me. <laughs> My freestyle skills are pretty bad, I guess. 